Welcome to Hall Talk. Life is filled with unexpected moments. Thank you for joining Jared Hall, a specialist in being a generalist, as he shares biblical insights and leadership lessons while curating stories. And now your host, Jared Hall. Hello and welcome to Hall Talk. I'm your host, Jared Hall. Thank you so much for joining us. It means a great deal that you take time out of your day to listen, and I hope that this is a beneficial time together as we head into this week's Bible Q&A. The question we have is a pretty common question, and it's going to tie back into last week's devotion that was on Messianic prophecy in Genesis 3. So, with no further delay, let's get into this week's Bible question. This week's Bible question is a pretty common Bible question, and I think one where there's definitely a plurality of interpretation. So this question is going to take us back to Genesis 3. And in Genesis 3, uh, we know that the woman and the man fell from God's grace, fell into sin as a result of the temptation from the serpent who we have confirmed in the scriptures in the book of Revelation to be Satan himself. Now, After we get through that initial scene, the Lord pronounces a curse upon the serpent. Verse 14 says this, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Now, that's the question right there. If the serpent is an animal that crawls on its belly already, why in the world is this part of the curse if it already happens? Now, some people have said and will say that the snake most likely had legs prior to this and that part of the curse is that it loses its legs and now it slithers on its belly. Well, I think more likely the answer here is is that The Lord isn't physically changing the serpent, but the serpent is now associated forever with Satan. And so the motion of crawling on its belly will be associated as a negative thing. So the Lord is assigning meaning to the serpent crawling on its belly that it did not have prior to that. And so that is something that is not so much supernatural, but something where the Lord now indicates intention. I think there's something that happens that's parallel in the case with Noah and the flood. When Noah gets off of the ark, the Lord makes a covenant with him. And this covenant is is that the Lord will never destroy the world by a flood again, as he did in that time period. And what he does is he says that this is the sign of the covenant that I make between you, between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And so the rainbow is the sign of the covenant that the Lord will not destroy the earth in this way again. And now some people will say that that's when the Lord created a rainbow. But again, the rainbow is a reflection of light uh, as, as it relates to uh, the water and the air, the way the light hits the water in the atmosphere, creating that bending of light that produces the rainbow. Most likely, I think it's 
um, fair to say that the rainbow already existed prior to this, but that there's no meaning associated with it. And so, therefore, the Lord is associating meaning with the rainbow. That Noah's looked and he's seen a rainbow in the sky before, but now that there's a significant meaning associated with the rainbow. Similarly, if we uh, jump forward again with Genesis 17, uh, the Lord gives Abraham a sign for their covenant. He says in uh, verse 12, Uh, He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. And so here we have that the Lord takes circumcision and he makes it a sign of the Abrahamic covenant. Circumcision existed prior to this, but now the Lord is assigning meaning to it. And so this is something that we see over and over and over again in Genesis. There is this repetition that the Lord assigns meaning. With the servant crawling on its belly, he assigns meaning that the animal is cursed. When it comes to the rainbow, the Lord assigns meaning of his covenant the Noahic covenant, that he won't destroy the world by a flood again. With the Abrahamic covenant, he assigns meaning to the act of circumcision. And it continues all the way through the Torah. Uh, Think about the Exodus, the time period where they um, now have a meal in preparation and sacrificing in preparation to leave Egypt forever afterwards, Israel is to celebrate this act. This is a covenant. They had meals beforehand. They had bread baked without leaven before. There are things that have happened, and they had no meaning associated with it, familiar things, and then the Lord assigns meaning. In a similar way, if we jump to the New Testament, what we see here is that Jesus assigns new meaning, additional meaning, to the Passover meal or the Seder meal. What we see him do at the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper is he takes what is a familiar act, the Passover meal, and he assigns it new meaning. Now the bread and the cup represent his body and his blood. And so this is something that God does time and time again in the scriptures. I think because Genesis is a book of beginnings, uh, we tend to over-interpret that the first time we see something is the first time anyone saw it. And that's why it's so important to remember that uh, the Lord inspires this text And that we're interpreting the text, not trying to interpret the events behind the text. We're trying to interpret the text itself. If you'd like to hear more about that, I'd be more than happy to go into detail. I think it's one of the one of the key principles of biblical hermeneutics that often is not talked about enough, is that we have an inspired Bible, an inspired text. Yet oftentimes when we hear people teach and preach from the Bible, they're always talking about the event and they're ignoring the words that's written right there before him, the very words that God inspired. And so if you'd like to hear more about that, send me a note 
love to discuss it more. But there we have it. Why did the Lord curse the serpent with crawling on his belly? I don't think he lost his legs. I don't think the rainbow was brand new. Circumcision wasn't invented at Abraham. These are things that existed that the Lord assigned meaning to. And if you disagree, I'd love to hear from you too. Not a problem at all. I'm always up for good conversation and open dialogue. I think that's the part that's so important that we often miss out on is that we get caught up in disagreeing with each other and it so quickly turns to an argument where some of the best ideas, some of the best interpretations have been the result of ironing, sharpening iron, pushing back open dialogue. And as people who believe the scriptures, we need to be able to do that with love and grace so that way we can model for the world what it looks like to disagree well with one another. Uh, as my friend and mentor Michael Rydelnik said, there's a difference between disagreeing and being disagreeable. And the world has a propensity right now for being disagreeable, but believers, we have freedom to disagree. Well, that's it for this week's Bible Q&A. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, if you have questions, feel free to send them to jared.hall at gmail.com. Thank you so much. I'm your host, Jared Hall. Just a quick reminder for our format, the first Tuesday of the month, we take a look at a Messianic prophecy and have a devotion around that. Week two, which uh, is what you just finished listening to, is a question related to the Bible. Always, please feel free to send any questions that you have about the Bible, and we'll try to get to them as soon as possible. A week three is our week that we focus on leadership, because all of us are leaders in some capacity. And then our fourth week is where we curate stories. It's shared interviews with people I've met from around the country and around the world. So if you have any thoughts, comments that you'd like to share, we would love to hear them. Reach out anytime. Again, it's such a joy to be on this journey with you. Hope you have a great week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Hall Talk. Share your voice by leaving a comment or asking a question. Join the team by hitting like, subscribing, and sharing with others. As always, join us next time for more insights and conversations on Hall Talk.